0: surprisingly, i believe, Wait for your next mistake. I put in work and watch my get What's up, everyone? My Welcome ball ball back ball ball into ball. the Punt and the Pass podcast. I'm my your host, I'm Drew Butler, joined, Dude, as I'm always, my job, like by my co-host, Aaron and Murray. In and f- Aaron, we are going to wrap up spring football. A lot of spring football games culminated in the 15-practice spring schedule Across the SEC, you and I were both in Athens, Georgia. We took in G-Day, got to see the red and black game. Alabama also had their A-Day game in Tuscaloosa. Tennessee had their orange and white game, the first one for head coach Jeremy Pruitt. We're going to touch on a few storylines here. We're going to put a bow on it. And then guess what, Aaron? We're going to get another punt and pass podcast rolled out on Wednesday because we are going to preview the NFL draft for our audience. So... With that being said, should we start with A-Day, Aaron? Do you want to talk about the media-manufactured quarterback dilemma in Athens? UCF has also given out national championship rings. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. And then my man Jeremy Pruitt calls out his players, calls out the fan base. It's tough times in Knoxville. But I think we should start with Tua Viloa being injured and not partaking in A-Day in Tuscaloosa. So Jalen Hurts gets an opportunity to step in there, show what he's got, even though he has <laughs> led Alabama to two consecutive national championship games and he does not turn the football over, but he struggled a little bit. Does it matter? I mean, Nick Saban came out and said not really, but is there a quarterback competition looming?
1: I don't think there's a quarterback compet- competition in Alabama at all. I think Tua, when he's healthy this summer and he's able to participate in seven-on-seventh and then when he starts to get ready for camp, in the fall. I think he's going to be the guy. I think we all know that. Is there going to be a package for Jalen hurts? If he does come back, if he decides he's not going to transfer uh, with those rumors now circling, uh, I think so. I think you have to, I think the kid is a proven winner. He's gotten you to the national championship game twice. Now he can win games with his legs and, and who knows if he's going to take another step forward in the passing game. I just think two is, is a better quarterback, Obviously, it was shown last year in, in the few games he's able to get in when they were blown teams out, and then in the national championship. So I, I don't think there's a controversy, but I do believe Jalen Hurts, if he does stay, there's no chance you can keep him on the sidelines. They, they, it, whether it's a, a wild elephant or whatever formation they're going to call it, or if it's <laughs> a goal line package, a third down package, or just throughout the game, just get him in just to give defenses a little bit of headache and and worry about what they're doing on the offense side of the football with Alabama. I think he's a pivotal role in this team, from a leadership standpoint and from his ability to go out there and win games. So, it's it's a two-headed monster at the quarterback position. Two is still going to get what seventy percent of the snaps, eighty percent of the snaps come season time. But those twenty to thirty percent that that Jalen Hurts is going to receive is going to be pivotal if they want to win a national championship.
0: Yeah. So Jalen Hurts on Saturday completed nineteen of thirty-seven passes for one hundred and ninety-five yards. No touchdowns, one interception, and obviously Tua was on the sideline. But it's kind of a complete 180 from what Jalen Hurts did when he was a true freshman. Back then, he completed 11 of 15 passes. He had a game-winning touchdown with like time running out during the spring game. But based off of my rant just a week ago, I'm not a big fan of statistics in spring games. I think it's completely overblown you got the defense who knows pretty much, I would say, 75% of the plays that are being run. They know all the tendencies of the quarterback that they're facing against. I mean, they've been going up exactly against this offense for a month and a half, so it's skewed in that regard. Jalen did struggle. Nick Saban said he wasn't concerned about it, but of course— There's a storyline now because Jalen Hurts' dad last week, I think it was right after we recorded our podcast last week, Aaron. He comes out and says, if my son doesn't start, not play, if my son doesn't start, he's going to transfer and, quote, he will be the biggest free agent in college football history, unquote. I mean – that is a bold statement, Aaron. And I think I've just kind of rubbed the wrong way by his dad saying that his son's going to be a free agent. Do you think he legitimately
1: will transfer if he doesn't start over Tua? I think if he was going to do it, first off, after that national championship game, you have to know you're not the guy. Yeah. If, if I'm him, I'm sitting down with my parents after the game saying, "Listen." it's not looking good. We need to decide right now what what are we going to do as a family moving forward? Are we going to say, hey, we're transferring now. We're going to pick a school. We're going to get in there, get in spring, be able to participate in spring and summer and fall and get ready to go for the next season, whether it's at a JUCO where you can play right away or at another D1 school where you have to sit out, but you still have a chance to compete in spring. I just think think that ship has now sailed. I I don't know why all of a sudden – you knew you weren't going to be the number one quarterback in spring. You knew you weren't going to be the number one quarterback heading into the season. The team has completely shifted over as soon as that game was over. That you not completely lost control. I think he still has a lot of leadership in that locker room, but he's not the guy. He knows he knew he wasn't the guy. His dad knew he wasn't the guy. So I think it's just a little late in the ball game uh, to be kind of throwing it out there. I don't, I don't think it's a threat. I do think he's trying to protect his son a little bit, but timing's a little off. I don't see him transferring. I, I don't, especially because two, uh, two got hurt. I think as a quarterback, yeah, and that's his, that's
0: his real injury.
1: I, I think he loves Alabama. I think his teammates are going to help persuade him. I Nick Nick Saban. The, the the best recruiter of all time is once again, recruiting him to stay back. Cause For he sure. knows he needs him. He He needs him in this offense. If they're going to have success next year. And, and I'm not saying Tua can't play 100% of the snaps and and win ball games. I just think Jalen is that good of an athlete. I'm not saying quarterback, athlete, to get in there and play next year. But I don't think he's the biggest free agent. In college football court, history. College football. The kid can't throw a football.
0: Yeah. I mean, he can't I mean, push he, it this, down the field. This,
1: this isn't Cam Noon we're talking about who is leaving Florida, and he's big, strong, physical, can run and throw. Jalen's a one dimensional quarterback every now and then he may make a good pass here or there, but we saw it game after game last year missing wide open guys. And, and I'm not talking about, you know, deep post patterns or comebacks or corners. I, I'm talking about guys in the flat who he's just a, not an accurate, smooth passer, but when the game's on the line or when things are going on, he's going to make a play with his feet uh, and he's going to do something special. So biggest free agent out there, completely disagree, but I do think he'll he'll play a pivotal role once he does stay at, at the University of alabama you,
0: you make a good point if he was going to transfer, he'd have done it by now because after the national championship game, the writings on the wall this is to his team from here on out um the transfer i will i, I, I I don't know if I should call it an epidemic or not, Aaron. I remember I was listening to the Ryan Rossillo show. This is back in the fall when he was still on ESPN radio. And they had some statistic pulled up, uh, probably like a five-year culmination of the top 50 quarterbacks in each recruiting class. So going back to 2012 or whatever, okay? Like 60% of that pool transferred from the school that they had committed to and gone to for a year, simply because, hey, I'm not playing... I got to get out and I got to go somewhere else. You know who would fall into that category is Jacob Eason. Jacob Eason was a number one overall recruit. He got injured. Jake Fromm took the job at Georgia. Now Eason is going to sit out a year at the University of Washington. Will this happen with Jalen Hurts? You said it, and I tend to agree with you. I think it's too late in the game at this point, certainly way too late in the game for him to be the biggest free agent in college football history, but that's recruiting all over again. And if these whispers get out, which his dad has very much started the rumors, you know, Jalen Hurts' cell phone is going to be blowing up every single night while he's on Alabama's campus leaving the football facility. It's just kind of a very, very awkward situation. Let me pose a question to you, though, Aaron. Uh, I forget what the year was. Probably 2010, I think, was your first year you started. If you would have lost the quarterback competition, to zach mettenberger would you have transferred i mean i know hindsight's 2020 but would you have gone to mississippi state to go play for coach Mullen? i mean what would have happened
1: i i honest i probably would have and, yeah. and i had talks with my family because you know you are a competitor you want to play and the thing is though that i i still would have been a a freshman yes. and, and i would have known way ahead of the time that hey listen it's not somewhere where i've been for two years and 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 the story's out. They everyone knows what kind of quarterback I am. I still have the ability to go transfer somewhere, play for three or four years, and then go from yeah, there. For where sure. you know, Jalen's kind of. Uh, I'm not saying the ship has sailed because he still will have some time. But I think the ship has sailed. And like I said, in the fact that if he was going to make a move, it needed to be done in January, not now. You know, that's kind of where I'm at with the situation. And and the fact too that I still think he's going to play. If I didn't beat Mendenberger out. We're the same kind of quarterback, you yeah. know. I, I'm yes, I'm I'm more mobile than Met, but I'm not out there running four five four fours. I'm, you're not going to have a package for me to go out there with a zone read or a third down package or a goal line package where Jalen you're able to create that because he is such a great athlete, a great runner, a dynamic dynamic player all around. So he is going to see the playing. He is going to see the field. He is going to get ten to fifteen snaps a game. Where, like I said, myself and Zach Mendenberger. I'm not seeing the playing field. Unless Zach would have gotten hurt, I'm out. I'm sitting on the bench. I'm chilling for three or four years and then moving on. This is a good storyline to follow, and we will continue to follow it throughout
0: the summer. Um, Obviously, if Jalen's still on the team uh, during SEC media days, that will be a complete circus. But you said it. I agree with you. I think he stays way too late in the game so Dad can pump the brakes on the biggest free agent in college football history moniker all right we were both in Athens this past weekend at G-Day Georgia man there was like 82,000 people in the stands it was insane how many people were there Aaron I was talking to athletic director Greg McGarrity before the game and granted I think going into my senior season we had just um went six and seven the year before so like the lower bowl wasn't even half filled for G-Day I think it was kind of some bad weather too but the tide has turned in Athens, and everybody was super excited to see Justin Fields, the freshman, early enrollee, five-star quarterback from Harrison High School in Georgia, get his first looks between the hedges inside Sanford Stadium. Before we talk about that, and if there is a QB problem in Athens with Jake Fromm and Justin Fields, you and I took a part in a punt pass and kick competition. Oh, you're going to bring it up. you really going to bring this up right now. My social media was going nuts oh, afterwards. Unbelievable. Obviously, I was talking some shit just trying to stir things up, getting excited, talked about it last week on the podcast, told you that I could punt a tighter spiral than you can throw. Just having fun. So what happened is they picked a the kid out of the stands, right? And Alec Ogletree was in the end zone and the kid got to choose if he wanted Alec to punt or he could punt the football. I think he punted it, rolled it up to like the 41-yard line, minus 41, so before midfield, and then I was sitting out there. And he got to choose if he wanted to throw the football or I got to throw the football. So he told me to throw the football. Aaron, I chucked it like 50 yards, dude. I got it inside the 10 It was I'm not going to lie. It was, it was farther than I thought you could do. <laughs> okay, so I chucked it deep. It was. An, I even got a couple of ooze from the crowd because it just kept sailing into the wind, might I add. But we set you up, Aaron Murray,
1: for Beautiful. a sh-
0: – it's shorter than an extra point, okay? Shorter than an extra no, point. No, it you was had,
1: an extra point. It was an ex- It was at the 10-yard it line. It was
0: inside the 10-yard line. It was at the 10. I swear. It was like the 7-yard line. eight.
1: Well, it, the, the funny part
0: is it doesn't matter how close it was. It could have been <laughs> directly in front of it one yard away. But – you had to make a kick, and this kid, I think, got a two-night stay at the graduate hotel in Athens for any home game this year. Correct? So he I told it was
1: for I think for every game for every, us, every game. And, and since I didn't make it, it ended up being for like oh. three or four of the games. So, so it was, I mean, a, a real prize,
0: prize right? So yeah, he got six, out of it. eight weekends in Athens, paid for a hotel. He tells you to kick the ball. I look at you and I say, Big Aaron, toe-bash Big it. mistake. Toe-bash it. Just scoop it and toe-bash it right there. The field goal post is directly in front of you. You go, no, no, I got it. Tried to kick it soccer style. Dude It didn't even get off the ground, but you gave it your all, and then he got an opportunity to kick, and uh, he followed your lead. So
1: it Listen, was a lot of
0: fun. What do you oh, have to say man. for it, yourself? It was, it
1: was, that kick pretty much looked like my, what's wrong my golf swing. I picked my head up. I tried to hit it too hard. And it just dribbled. It's very – if you looked at me last week at the golf course, same thing. Try to hit it too hard. My head lifts. I top it, and it just dribbles down the fairway. So, man, man, it hand. was it was embarrassing. It was not my finest moment. I really was anticipating drilling it through the uprights and sending this kid on his merry way. But <laughs> yeah. the worst part is I'm asking him because he got to choose. I said, hey, do you want to kick or do you want me to kick? And he looked at me. He said, Aaron – you're my guy, I trust you, I'm a big fan you. of you, I think you got this for me. And I'm like, oh, God, no, please no.
0: I don't think he <laughs> understood the magnitude of it either because when you're on the field, it's a little bit hard to hear the PA system. Oh, and- he
1: had it at the time. But listen, they still gave him, yes. I think, half the prize of what he would have originally had anyway. So he still got a pretty sweet deal. And, and secondly, listen, we knew about this probably two or three days out, so in my head, it already been set. We knew you were gonna pass. Yes. I was gonna punt. And I thought I you were old, punting and, as well. And then Olwitz was gonna kick. And then five minutes beforehand, I'm already got my hamstring loose. I'm ready to punt. Hallock comes up to me and said, Hey, do you mind if 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 I take over the punting and you do the kicking? And I'm not gonna be a mean guy. I mean, Alex in his jeans, he's looking good, he's fresh, you know, <laughs> Mr. New York. So I was like, listen, I'll take the kick. You got the punt. So I was a little, you know, I've been think- I've been literally prepping my mind for two days to put yeah. this football. And, uh, you know, I'm that's just a good, good friend. Excuse. I'm a good friend. <laughs> yeah. Luckily so the kid did after get this it. guy who I completely lost, you know, 10 nights at a, at a nice hotel in Athens too, but
0: <laughs> that's so great.
1: <laughs> All right. So yes, in the game,
0: during the game, everybody was watching Justin Fields, the freshman quarterback and Jake from the now sophomore quarterback who led Georgia to the national championship game and an SEC championship and a Rose bowl championship just a year ago as a true freshman. Jake Fromm goes 19 of 38, 200 pass yards, one touchdown, two picks. One was returned for six points. Justin Fields in his debut, Aaron, goes 18 of 33, 207 passing yards, one touchdown, one pick. He got sacked seven times, which is obviously subjective if there's anybody in the vicinity. Kirby Smart was blowing the whistle to call the play dead. What do you make of this, Aaron? It's obviously a media-manufactured storyline, I think, just trying to find something to talk about, trying to stir up any sort of controversy to get clicks. There's no way Justin Fields starts over Jake Fromm, but do not get confused. He will certainly see the playing field in 2018.
1: Listen, go back to last year's spring game, and we look at that game, and and I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but I remember everyone walked away from that game like, oh my gosh, uh, from had such a better day than Eason. His completion set percentage pass was, was better. He just looked more comfortable in the offense. Eason was still the quarterback. Day one, yes. Eason was the guy. And it's the same thing this year. And I must say, just to come to From's defense a little bit, and I'm not taking any way, anything from Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields had an incredible day. I thought he spun the ball extremely well. I thought he pulled it down and, and ran a couple times where you had to see this kid has the burst to pick up extra yards with his feet. He can make all the throws you want. I think that he needs to continue to become more accurate, more consistent, but that's just getting more reps in the offense. He'll he'll feel more comfortable. But it's harder to go against the first-team defense. First-team-overs, first-team-defense, defense has the advantage. No
0: question. Second-team
1: offense versus second-team defense, second-team offense has the advantage. I like that. Every single day. It just It's the way it works. Yeah. It just... Usually, especially with a great defense, those starters are just really good and they're really tough to go against. The second team defense is kind of, eh, you know, maybe a couple guys here and there, but you're going to have more success as an offense. Usually, the skill positions better at a receiving position, at a running back position. So you're, and that's kind of why last year Jake Fromm had a better statistical day than Jacob Eason two in the spring game. So I'm not putting a lot on this game. Uh, it was good to see everyone in action, and like you said, it's great that no one got hurt. Everyone yes. walked away healthy. Oh, we were we were sitting not, on the sideline. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, yeah. Go ahead. We were sitting on the sideline when
0: uh, I think Fromm threw that dime to Riley Ridley in the end zone, and Riley it looked like he caught it, and his head bounced off the grass like a pinball. I mean, he went night night. I saw him on the sideline afterwards. Both, he had both of his nostrils plugged up because he had a bloody nose. He had to have been slightly concussed. Then he was back in the game. I'm like, what are we doing out here, dude? Sit down, take a few plays off, get to the summer healthy. But luckily, no big injuries, people. and Georgia did have to fight the injury bug a little bit throughout the spring. It was good to see the fans base there. It was great yeah, to see yeah. the Listen. energy. Inside like you said, stadium. it
1: what was 83,000, 82,000. Yeah. Second nation, I think. And it probably would have been, been the most and, and probably been up in the 90s if obviously the West End Zone was complete. Yeah. I, I remember waking up that morning and Sharon and sharing it myself were in Athens and we decided to go for a walk around campus around 9 a.m. And, and, and it literally felt like a game day. That's I mean, nuts. people were all over downtown. People were already set up camping all over campus. And, and it's like, this is a spring game and we're we're, you know, seven, eight hours before kickoff. And this place is packed already. People are literally cooking out, drinking beers, having fun, just like it was a Saturday. And obviously it's a beautiful day weather-wise that, uh, that helped a lot. Sure. And You're not competing with the masters, which we had to a couple of times where people were either in Augusta or sitting at home, watching the masters and the spring game at once. So it was a great day to be a dog. I think it was great for recruiting. Obviously, if you have a, any any type of recruit in town, and they get to see that kind of live action on a beautiful day, that many fans cheering them on. Uh, I, I wasn't at the dog walk, but I heard the dog walk was electric as well. So good for Kirby pumping this thing up, getting yeah. everyone excited, and I don't think it disappointed. I think it was a very entertaining game. Uh, I think a lot of the young guys played well, and, and including some of the veterans as well. The
0: messaging from the entire program has just changed so much over the last three years. Kirby was being asked about, The fans and and the the turnout, and and he went straight to recruiting. He's like, look, this is what we need, okay? If you want great players to come to Athens, Georgia, and I think this goes for just about any team in the nation, and Kirby was saying it, the fans have to buy in also. Recruits want to see the place packed out. Recruits want to see the players having fun. Recruits want to see how much the fans love their respective teams, so... You know, it's just—it's always about the business with Kirby Smart, and it's always that attacking the day motto. Speaking of attacking the day, Rodrigo Blankenship dropped a rap single. It's on SoundCloud. Go find it. It's called "Attack the Day."
1: World's most interesting. Rodrigo was trying to give me some some tips before I kicked, and obviously, I did not do what he. (laughs) I didn't fully extend like he said. I don't Uh, think I did that. I short short stroked it.
0: All right, another storyline that we need to touch on. My man Jeremy Pruitt up in Knoxville, Tennessee, I was saying for the past couple of months that some writer would talk about how Tennessee is a dark horse in the SEC East this year, and it could come to fruition during Mm -hmm. the summer, maybe around SEC media days, but it did not look good up in Knoxville this past weekend. And after the game, Pruitt just goes off on the team. He goes off on the fans. It is a rough start to that regime. Up in Knoxville, he was talking about players that were flat out quitting. He said he didn't know how many fans we had. He gets the number, and he says, quote, to me, it's kind of like our football team for the fans. The ones who were here, I'm proud they were here. They're fired up. They're ready to get going. Then there were some people that weren't here that had legitimate reasons. They couldn't be here. And then there were some people that weren't here. Why weren't they here? It's kind of like our football team. We all need to look in the mirror and see who we want to be. So he goes off on his players. He goes off on the fan base, essentially challenges them again, doubles down Aaron. And I saw this, and I said, let's pump the brakes a little bit, okay? Tennessee went 0-8 in the SEC last year for the first time in school history. And then when they fired Butch Jones... The athletic department was an absolute cluster for about a month. What a dismal coaching search. Right, it led them to Jeremy Pruitt. And the one thing that I think I can take out of this, Aaron, is he is the complete opposite of Butch Jones. And if you're a Tennessee fan, I think you at least hang your hat on that. Okay, There's a new regime here. It might take some time. But I would tone it down just a little bit if I was Jeremy Pruitt.
1: Yeah, I— like you said, this isn't a good football team. No. This is a team. The cupboard is bare. In my in my mind, right now, it could be the fifth best team in the SEC East. And you got Georgia, you got South Carolina, you have Florida, you have Missouri, and then Tennessee yeah. in my mind, and, and maybe even a little farther maybe around. Maybe Kentucky. But, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe in Kentucky. I mean, literally, right now, for uh, at the best in my mind, the best heading the season is going to be fifth, and uh, there's no chance of any dark horse and and, and I'm just not a fan of Jeremy, Jeremy Purvitt. I haven't been since he was uh, anywhere he's been. I just don't think he has the personality to be a head coach. Uh, I think he's a better coordinator because you can kind of let loose and say things like the way the, you know stuff he said this week to the fans, to the players, and and get away with a little bit. I just don't think as a head coach you have to kind of you know be a little bit more reserved. I'm not saying be you know perfect and nice and sweet and say the right things all the time, but he kind of jumps off the page a little bit too much for my liking. So I I don't know um, if they're going to have a great first year. I don't think they will. I think it's going to be a six and six type season for them. You know, a season where, you know, they're going to be hoping by the last week or two that they're going to be playing for their life to get into a bowl game. And that's going to be their kind of season. I don't think he has the recruits. I don't think he has uh, that, that head coaching mentality. I think there's a lot of maturing to do on his end and on that team's end.
0: No, you're totally right. Uh, He needs to curb expectations. He needs to build up a little sense of pride within the fan base and the players, the guys that are going to bat for him. I mean, talking about, yeah, of course, he said some guys played well and competed their ass off, but calling out guys for flat-out quitting, I mean, you got to start somewhere. I'm going to be following this story throughout the summer, Aaron, and if you and I, which we're expecting to be, go to SEC Media Days, I might just walk up to Coach Pruitt and – Ask him a few questions. Just say, how are things going on Rocky Top? So we'll continue to watch after that. But, wow, he grades the spring game a D. D's to degree. I think that's a passing grade, but I never got a D. So don't ask me. All right, last <laughs> topic. What, do you ever get a D?
1: No, I just Spanish kind of got hovered there at some point <laughs> early in the semester. But
0: Spanish, I, I, I love it. I took Swahili, so. There you go. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, last topic. I saw this, and it just – it doesn't rub me the wrong way, Aaron. It's just kind of like, really, we're still doing this? Central Florida gets their national championship rings, and it says the only – it's bold and italicized – the only – 2017 undefeated National Championship rig. Central Florida. Yes, they beat Auburn in the Chick-fil-A Bowl. But Alabama is the 2017 National Champions. Even Kirk Herbstreit gets in the mix here, Aaron. And let me read this out to you because Kirk really doesn't take bold stances that often, right? He's a very, very good analyst. Calls things like he sees them. This is what he tweeted out. Just enjoy a magical, incredible year. You're damaging your own brand by jumping up and down, claiming a national championship. Just stop. You're national champions in your own world. And that's awesome. But the rest of us crowned Bama the Champs
1: January
0: eighth. Has this thing gone too far? I mean, where does it end for Central Florida?
1: I, I the one thing is I one I don't I don't agree with it. Yes, they're not the national champs. Alabama is. And I guarantee if you put those two teams on the football field last year, Alabama will wax them up yeah. and down the field. You know, luckily they got an Auburn team that was one beat up and two could care less about that game. And everyone knew it heading into it. And, and I'm not saying anything against UCF. I think UCF's a really good football team, a great football team. And, and I think they could have been competitive if they were in, in the playoffs. I, I don't think they would have won the first round versus any of those teams, but I do think they could have made, you know, one of those games decent, but I think from a recruiting standpoint, all all news is good news, right, or all publicity is good publicity or whatever the heck the saying is. So for them to stay relevant in the recruiting world, and, and, and we're still talking about it, and that's a great thing. A, a small school like UCF, yeah. the fact that we're still talking about them not being national championships, but the still fact that they were undefeated that's on the front of every paper it's all over the place for sure ucf undefeated ucf undefeated all these kids are seeing it and it's in their mind hey the ucf oh, i remember yeah they had a great year last year they're undefeated oh how great is this that's a sweet ring they got the banners up in the, up news, in the stadium they're yeah in, yeah they get it, they're in the news it it's all about uh what people think and their views and expectations and kind of what they're seeing and right now everything they see is ucf national championship great ring undefeated
0: yeah, you're totally right. It's, it's, you know, they're they're doing a really good job up. doubling down on the yep. entire national champion thing, getting as much publicity as they possibly can and like you said, it's a recruiting tool. It is a public relations tool and they're using it to their advantage. One other thing I saw, a lot of people were giving Auburn crap because Auburn got 2017 SEC West Division Champion rings. SEC West Division Champion rings and I'm on social media, and people are like, oh, you, I can't believe you did that. You got blown out by Georgia in the SEC championship game. Hell, you even lost to Central Florida in the Chick-fil-A Bowl. And I had to uh, pump the brakes a little bit, Aaron, because we have a 2011 SEC
1: East Division we championship. And ring. I love that dang ring now. Yes,
0: it's a great ring, and we got waxed by LSU in the SEC championship, and then we lost to Michigan State. In the outback ball. So, Auburn, do your thing. I, I hold no judgment. Just enjoy Listen, a winning,
1: winning the East or West is, is accomplished by Zone. I mean, Absolutely. they beat Georgia. They beat and Alabama. they beat Alabama. Know, That's totally a great agree. season, man. They had a great season. And they did win the West. You know, they won something.
0: I totally
1: you know? agree. They had, a, so. they, they had that trip to Atlanta. So, good for them. Maybe I'm defending him a little bit more, just like you said, because we have one for the East, and, and I take great pride in that.
0: <laughs> yeah, the uh, SEC championship ring that Georgia got looked pretty damn sweet. I got a close-up view of that. I, had some, I heard some, yeah, but, rum, heard, heard some rumblings also. Yeah, they didn't there, get a Rose Bowl ring.
1: I, I would have had Rose Bowl somewhere in there, yeah. or a ro- maybe a Rose hidden somewhere in the ring. I like that size for sure, for sure. I think that would be kind of sweet.
0: Yeah, a couple of the former players and current players were a little bummed they didn't get a Rose Bowl ring, so who knows? I guess my answer to that would be go back and win another Rose Bowl. So we'll see what happens, but Aaron, spring football is done, and this weekend is the NFL draft, so you and I are going to jump back in the mix on Wednesday to give our audience a another edition of the punt and pass podcast where we will talk about some sec recruits or i guess prospects heading into the nfl draft and maybe deliver a few personal stories that you and i both have from draft weekend anything on the way out my man
1: no man it's gonna be a fun week i was talking to some of the guys chubb sony roquan uh at the game and they're just so excited i mean this is a dream come true for all these guys and it's a big week. You've you've done everything you can, so now they're just going to sit back, relax, be with their family, and and get ready to get to work, whatever team decides to pick them. Absolutely.
0: Also, we got some merchandise down the barrel coming out pretty soon, so look out for that. For Aaron, I'm Drew. We will talk to you guys on Wednesday. See you.